Hey guys, this is Court Stormers in the 48 Minutes Network. Really cool guest doing this in a elementary school classroom. Can't say I've ever done this before with former UC 11, the UC legend. Wow, spoiler alert! The helicopter himself, Melvin Levitt. What is up, man? Not much, man. Just living the dream still. First time you said you've done one of these, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm excited about this opportunity to be able to you know do it over uh, a different media form and see how how things work out. Yeah. So for those who don't remember, Melvin is a former University of Cincinnati Bearcat. You were there when they were the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. Obviously, everyone remembers the infamous dunk against Duke when you guys beat them when they were number one in the country. That was in Alaska. Yes. What do you remember about Alaska more than you remember playing Duke? It was dark. <laughs> dark after half of the day. That's that's one of the most fondest memories. But but then um, sharing the time with the guys. Um, that was you know one of the trips that I really felt like. Over the years that we've been able to take as a team, you know, some, you know, you go to the Puerto Rico Classic or Hawaii or whatever preseason tournament, um, having an opportunity to go, you know, during the season with those guys over at a time during the holiday season as well, it gave us a chance to, you know, gain some more camaraderie, learn a little bit more about the newcomers that was involved with our basketball team, but at the same time, again, um, hunker down and believe in the reason why we were there, and that was the, the Blue Devils. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, when you look at this game. Um, I think you know, if you watch the YouTube highlight of your dunk, I laughed so hard at it because it's probably been three or four times we've seen Mike Krzyzewski have just that blank stare on his face. <laughs> your dunk, CJ McCollum with Lehigh, um, was it any North Carolina game? Anything, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then um, the Champions Class a couple years ago, they played Kentucky at the yeah. United Center. So you're like one of the four people that had Mike Krzyzewski speechless. That's great company. Yeah. <laughs> exclusive, yeah. exclusive company, I should say. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, I'll never forget, though, you know, the comment that he, uh, the compliment, not comment. He made a couple comments, but the compliment that he gave me uh, after that game, um, I, haven't been, I haven't been told that by any coach before, by any level of basketball that I played at. And um, it was something that it really stuck with me, and it meant a lot. Obviously, you know, it's Coach K and all that. Could have came from, you know, another coach from another university. But, you know, the fact that it's, you know, it's Coach K telling you something like that, and, you know, he's got the allure that he has, and Duke – you know, is what it is. So for him to tell me that if anybody plays as hard as you do in this game, they deserve the win. And that was like, that was unbelievable. Because for one, he didn't have to take the time to be that classy about us doing what we just did sure. to them. Yeah. Um, he didn't have to say anything at all. You know, but he took that moment to tell me that. And again, that was just something that stuck with me from that, that moment. And it's something that I, I tell my kids, you know, and my opponents. I'm walking through the line, shaking hands. I let that opponent know, hey, you guys played extremely hard tonight, and you deserve to win this game. Yeah. You've been all over the world. You've played here for some nice stuff. By the way, how underrated was Wayne Turner? He was damn good. Oh, man. I'm on, I'm on a LinkedIn database with uh, Wayne, and we spend some time going back and forth, you know, talking with each other and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, man. Wayne Wayne was one of the overlooked kids. Agreed. You know what I mean? That Kentucky I, team, he was one of the, one of the unsung heroes. I've seen him on so many different circuits. You know, we're out there trying to make the pro teams and all that. And every place I ran into Wayne at has just been like, you know, every time i seen him, you know, it's like, gosh, dude, like, seriously? You know what I mean? He's like one yeah. of those type of players, man, that every time you, you get up against him and you play against him, you see something different about him that, that impresses you. So, you know, I had to bring that in, but that was um, – uh, so you played you, you play overseas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now there's a kid from Xavier named Justin Dolman from this area. He plays overseas. He's made quite a name for himself. You know very well. Definitely. What is it for you that you think? Because you were drafting the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, you, you had a camp with the Pistons. 
what is it for you when people like kind of sell short the FIBA league? You know, right now Luka Doncic might be the second pick in the NBA draft coming up behind DeAndre Ayton. What is it about that style of play that people don't understand over there? Um, I, I think well, going over there, what's, what the adjustment was for me was the speed of the game. Um, we play a certain speed here in America, but it's another speed in Europe. To be totally honest, um, the ball movement, you know, uh, shots, all those different things that you know we kind of take for granted here in America. Those guys are over there overseas, man, and they're they're putting two and three things together with it. You know, that's making it much more intricate. Euro step has now became the go-to move. Just about every American guard and some American big men. Yes. You know what I mean? So their their game is really influencing the talent level. Um, I think, again, our guys that go over there don't take into consideration, again, the conditioning as well. That's a huge part of it. To be able to run all day is important. And playing European basketball, it seems like those guys can run all day. You see when they come over. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think that's one of probably the other uh, things that you know American players don't understand when going over there is the the style of basketball changes as well as the physical conditioning. I think the biggest example of that was Pal. When Pal came up from Spain, he was not out of shape at all. Yeah. When he got, went to Vancouver, he was ready to run with those guys immediately, and yeah. you saw it. And I think that's really a test to, like you said, that kind of style. Ricky Rubio is another example, mm-hmm. obviously. That's Spain. I know that's a different thing from playing. Um, you know, also, what I'm trying to get to here is I heard this rumor. All these UC friends I, fans and friends I have, they told me this rumor that you were approached to be on the N1 mixtape tour. Is that true? Several times. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I thought AM1 was, was, was a cool deal. But at the, at the time that when they approached me to, to want to do this, I had some other things going on. And I didn't know if tying myself down to what they wanted me to do was going to interfere contractually you know, with some other things. But I, I totally respect uh, AM1 basketball and the me talent too. level of those guys because you know those guys actually can play basketball. Yeah. It's not just about the tricks and stuff like that. And I think people get caught up in when they see the YouTube highlights stuff like that. They just think it's just plain old street ball because guys are out there doing their tricks. Now, those dudes can play basketball just like I found out the Harlem Globetrotters can play basketball. Yeah, I was going to get to that too, for sure. Guys think that it's just all tricks, passing, dunking, throwing buckets of water and confetti on people. No, these guys are real, live, talented basketball players. What is some of the stuff the Globetrotters gave you couldn't get anywhere else? Oh, man. Um, I mean... I'm going to tell you, I took away some nights, man. I mean, I, I walked away some nights just totally overwhelmed and humble that I was able to, to, to be in that position as a Harlem Globetrotter. You talk about over 100 years of tradition. Sure, yeah. To basketball. This, this organization broke barriers, racial barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, I going over overseas and, and doing some of the tours that they do it, did in Germany in some of the early parts of, of their tenure. The, the Hall of Famers that have come through this fraternity, you know what I mean? And it is, I have an opportunity to represent this. Yeah. I mean, that that's well, that was the biggest thing that I that I was able to take away. Besides the sold-out arenas every night, fans from 7 years old to 70 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. Great family entertainment. That was the biggest take for me, man. It was totally cool not to have to look over your shoulder and uh, worry about the job the next night, you know what I mean? Like you do when you're playing for money. At the professional level, at the NBA, FIBA, wherever level it is, mm-hmm. when you're playing for money, the game changes. You know, when I was with the Harlem Globetrotters doing those things, man, that was the ultimate basketball experience for me because I was able to give so much of my talent, but yet receive so much more from so many other people. Like I said, from the little kids all the way to the older kids. Yeah, and I think that was what was so cool. Like everyone's seen it. Um, 
I'm sure you probably know this story that there was like one game they took seriously, yeah. and it was in Cincinnati. Yeah. They played like the College All Stars. That was us. Yeah, that James was us, James Posey yeah. was on that team. Yeah, we yeah, started that group. And again, coming out of college, man, being being an ambassador for the College All Stars, being on that first inaugural. It was you and Posey, yeah. You know what I mean? It was Gary Lumpkin as well. Yeah. Um, so I bridged that Xavier gap a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, um, having an opportunity, man, to be ambassadors for the College All-Stars and help kick that off, you know, for those tours, man, was, was, was unbelievable to travel with them several cities. And then they ended up signing me to come play with them. Uh, that was a dream come true. How good was Posey when you saw him? Very good, man. I, I mean, I, I came up with Posey in Cleveland. You yeah. Know what I mean, we were on the AAU circuit up there. We played on the same team. Uh, that went out to Vegas to the Vegas Classic, um, representing the Cleveland uh, basketball team. Um, and I had a chance to see him do some great stuff, man, through his high school career. But yeah. playing with him again on that circuit, I got a chance to see a different athlete. You know, because when you play in AAU basketball during the summertime, it is a little loose. It's a lot athletic. So you get a chance to see some guys do some stuff that they probably wouldn't do in a normal game because of the fact that it's a different game. When you're playing AAU, man, it's hot in the gym. There's thousands of people in the stands. So it brings a little bit more... Know, oh, to what you want to do. So I seen James do some, some really nice athletic stuff and watching him come down to Xavier and have the career that he had here at Xavier, you know, and then go on. I mean, it just goes to show, you know, being long, you know, and being able to shoot the basketball and the rebounder, it pays off. Yeah, I think uh, Ray Allen talked a lot about how Posey is one of the biggest reasons they won that title. Yeah. And I think he's one of those, in the Heat even, you know, he's one of those glue guys that kind of fits in. You see it now with the Cavs and being a coach for them and He's one, of the, he's one of the few, like, five or six people probably in the world that can LeBron will listen to. Well, I see him sitting there. You don't say much. He just kind of, you know, makes facial expressions. Yeah. Or he'll say two, three words. But that's him. Anyway, I, when I, as far as me knowing him, he's always been kind of quiet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But loud as a player. Yeah. Took charges. Dove on the floor for loose balls. Was at the head of the press, you know, at, at Xavier. You know, one of those guys that was going to work for you. So, I knew his work ethic was going to be something that really got him over. Um, and then, obviously, him being, you know, six foot eight and, Long with that wingspan, man, that, that what you know, NBA was drafting a lot, a lot of kids on. Mm-hmm. He was going to fit right in. Yeah, and you just you saw that from day one. So talking about going back to the UC part of your career, obviously it's you know the most comfortable thing, the most well known. You played with a lot of amazing talent. Yeah, you were really lucky, and you I, I mean was, you were obviously a huge part of that spoiled. talent. I was spoiled. <laughs> yeah. So exactly, how long was it before you realized how special Kenya Martin was in practice? Hmm. It probably. I'm going to be totally honest. Probably about his sophomore year, I knew that dude was going to be like something really, really off the off the map in Cincinnati. Um, had the athletic prowess, had a mean streak, you know what I mean? Had a continuous want to get better. And that's, you know, what being around Cincinnati basketball is about. And you got to want to get better. If you don't want to get better, some guy's going to come in, he's going to bust you up. You know what I mean, because guys are looking to come in here and they're looking to yeah. make their mark. You know, can't start catching uh, block shots out of the air. You know what I mean? It went from slapping them to just catching them. And um, you see a guy do that, you know, all right, there's there's something unique and about him. Because, again, most guys look to slap the ball, and they want to see how far they can slap it. Ooh, yeah, that went far out of bounds. But to be conscious enough to want to save the possession, which the best shot blockers always try to do, yeah. that's what let me know, again, he was going to be great. I didn't know he was going to be at stellar on offense his senior year which he just completely dominated, you know what I mean? But can't put that work in. You know, he put the work in on that jump hook. He put the work in on that jump shot. put the work in on that turnaround. And it, it paid dividends for him. I think that leg injury and the Carson Palmer one 
the two most devastating since night history. Yeah, that's the quietest I've, I've ever heard the city. Yeah. Um, that's just being really, really odd. I mean, that's, and it was scary, eerie, like, to go outside after that happened because I don't even think I heard traffic. No. I don't even think I even heard cars going past or anything. I think everything just kind of stopped. Really, in my mind, I said, that's what I'm thinking. I know things continued. But in my particular area, yeah. <laughs> where I was watching the game, everything stopped. You know, and it was like this, you can feel the, oh, I'm over the whole, you know, just over the city, so to speak, man. And I still felt they had enough to get it done. I did too. You know what I mean? Ken was the heart of the team. You know, there was no doubt in that. Uh, but God, you had the soul still left. You know, you had a season, five-year Ryan Fletcher. You had a three- or two-year Pete Michael, who's in his senior year. You got, you know, uh, uh, Donald Little, young Donald Little. You, I mean, I could go on and on. Steve Logan, Satterfield. You had a lot of guys. Young Demar Johnson. Yeah. Um, you had a lot of guys that really could have continued that that thing going, man. But that injury, again, really proved that just how much Kenyon Martin really meant. The University of Cincinnati basketball. I got to hang out with Kenyon this summer at Big Three in Lexington. Yeah, I was down there. I saw him down there too. And it was crazy to me how his athleticism hasn't gone away. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's this, there obviously, you know, there's a club with him and Deshaun Stevenson, but seeing him block that shot alone and how high he got up. Yeah. And, you know, his head's so close to the rim was really cool. Um, You know, like we said, you, so you, you played with a lot of great talent. You were a huge part of that UC team. You guys were awesome. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You guys were. At one point, number one in the country, you got to win a conference USA year in year out. I mean, Calipari just got to Memphis, and just not when it was shortly after that. Yeah. So you kind of you know missed him a little bit. But what was it about that conference USA where you guys? I mean, you guys got shit. You guys didn't deserve shit because you guys were playing a pretty competitive conference. Right. Actually, you guys won it all the time. I, think, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand. We I was talking about this actually um, the other night with a couple people that you know. Although, you know, we would go to the conference tournament and maybe, you know, trip up against Marquette and, and not finish out the Sunday like we needed to or, or maybe lose to the UNC Charlotte, who, we, you know, we beat during the regular season. People don't understand is that those teams, man, those teams were good teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't cakewalks when it really came to You guys played good football teams? Those, those teams were always ready and there was always competitive basketball games. We played against them. And when it came to down at conference tournament time, up the ante a little bit more for them as well and you know credit to them you know they took advantage of playing on the first day whereas we didn't have to because we had a bye <laughs> so that probably hurt us sitting around waiting so much but um teams took advantage of that first night you know playing and then having to see us that next night which you know i remember losing when we lost we lost to marquette who had played the previous night who went on to win the championship that year in conference usa and it's like you don't mind losing to guys that go on and potentially win yeah. The conference championship. But if you lose to a team in a conference tournament that you shouldn't lose to, that you beat up throughout the year, and they don't win, man, it's like, uh, man, what, what was it all for? But Yeah, we cover NKU. We just watched them do that to Cleveland State. Yeah. And I thought they could have won last night yeah. against Louisville, honestly. I thought they had any opportunities. But the UABs, man, at the time. The, yeah, the they South were good. Florida teams, man. Um, I mean, the, the UNC Charlotte, as I mentioned, man. I mean, even Southern Miss had a couple good teams yeah. during a couple tenures of mine. So it wasn't really like... Wasn't that like of a, a laugh from a conference? But what we did was we made sure we took care of that business. Yeah. And if we scheduled non-conference, we made sure we were ready for that business. You know, you, you play the non-conference, you go take care of your conference. You win your conference outright, do those things, you take care of your non-conference, you're going to be sitting pretty on tournament time. That's what, what it was for us all the time. We were always in a position there because we always took care of what we needed to take care of. Sometimes we let a few go during the season that could have maybe took us to a one seat. You know what I mean? Coach Huggins, you talk about that a lot. Um, other than that, we made sure we did what we need to do in conference.
it so that we at the end of the year we're okay. You've been coaching a little bit now. Yep. Um, you know, you had one of the best college basketball coaches for a long time there as your college coach. What did you learn from Hug that you use now as a coach? I I try not to. Um, well, for one, you know, today's kid is not like the, the kid that grew up when I was coming out of high school, getting ready to come to college. So an approach does not work. Right. The Bob Huggins' approach of the early 90s, we, we were motivated under, does not work. So I try to make sure that my approach to the kid is direct but yet soft, where I can really engage the young talent, get them to engage me as a coach to understand, yes, I'm going to hold you accountable and things like that, but we're not going to be in a situation where I'm going to um, parade you you know, and, and, and put you on situation, put you in a situation where you feel like you're, you know, you're embarrassed or something like that. Um, I learned watching that sometimes, man, is not the best way to go um, with some of the guys that I played with, actually. Some of the guys were able to handle it. Some of them were just, just couldn't do it. Um, a lot of people that talk about Bob Huggins in a sense that way don't understand the guys that we were and where we came from. You know, we were hard-nosed city kids that had nothing but tough love. So Bob Huggins was the perfect marriage. You know what I'm saying? For a lot of us guys that came here. Um, so that motivation, we thrived on it. Again, in learning that each kid now, totally different kid, got a totally different clock that ticks a totally different way. You got to be able to you know, have a different approach. Have you talked, ever talked coaching with him? I haven't talked coaching with him. I don't know how serious he think I take it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. And I've been in this now for over 10 years. So I take it very serious. You know what I mean? So um, I would like to one day be able to say, hey, coach, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Can you draw something up here? Can you draw something up there? Remember the year I was at Coleraine and uh, best advice I ever got in true Huggins fashion. Had it came any other way, I probably would have wondered what was wrong with him. Is he losing it? Um, but we were one and no, this is my head coaching year when we finished. Yeah, we finished. No, I'm sorry. It was the first year of my assistant year when we finished 0-22 to win a game. Called Coach Huggins. Told him, you know, hey, how's everything going? And I think it was something about the tournament. You know, maybe wanted to hook up, you know, something like that, maybe at one of the sites. I said, oh, yeah, man, you know, we lost all of our games this year, man. 0-22. And, and like I said, in two tri true typical hugs fashion, his response was, deal with it. <laughs> like, you know, if, and, and I'm waiting for another text to come through, and I'm looking at my phone like, Okay, he's going to have some more to say after that. And a day passes, and then the next day passes, then I realize that that's all that's going to be sent. But again, in true Huggins fashion, deal with it. Don't sit and pout. I didn't teach you that way. You know, I didn't, I didn't motivate you that way. When, when something was going on, you went and did something about it. You didn't sit around and wait for people to pat you on the back or say, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, and that's, what I, that's why there's the ultimate respect for him. It'll always be the ultimate respect for him. There's a major, major respect for him for that. Because, again, had he had, went on this long coaching lecture, I probably would have thought it was a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> um, Cashmere Wright, another former UC guy, yeah. he's coaching now. Yep. He's coaching for Clark Montessori. Have you had a chance to link up with him and talk coaching and all? I've seen him um, at a UC game and actually um, ran into him at a charity event. Um, but I haven't had a chance to go over and, and see him um, as far as his team goes or sit down and talk to him about you know how things are going. But this is good to hear, man, that you know guys are – coming back locally, um, and they're investing locally. You know, I took the opportunity to invest locally over 20 years ago, man, and I'm still here 20 years later. I scouted his team against, uh, I, scout, I scouted from North Collegeville. Shannon Myers, my really good friend. Oh, okay. And uh, he asked me to go scout them once. Okay. I had never scouted for my life. I was scared. 
And um, so I was like writing every note possible down I could find. And while I'm watching Clark, what really kind of stood out to me was like, that's cashmere right basketball. They're like diving on the floor. There's like people like watching the ball roll, and these guys are like sliding, grabbing it, and like it was like grab your that, angle yeah, that was him at UC. Like that's still who he was. Um, how much of the old Jordan brand stuff do you still have? You know what, man? I got maybe two or three items. Really? But I got a really nice warm-up jacket that I cherish to this day, man. Because again, it's that it's that Jordan man uh, brand and. You know, it's just one of those things that people are still looking for. Yeah. You know, they're searching for online. They're searching for that old Bearcat Paul. Yep. You know what I mean? So to still have that, man, it's, it's pretty cool. So if I don't have anything else, one item still from that time is, is good enough for me. The black shorts with the white stripe is still my favorite. Unbelievable, man. I got I got the white shorts with the, with the black stripe, the Jordan brand. Yeah. So you see Paul on the butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's talk about this current Bearcats team. Obviously, a very successful year. Um, I think what really, you know, it took Mick a little bit to get to this, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think what really came down to, and you probably know this as a coach or as a player in all the places you played, is it feels like he's finally getting those players that fit his style. You know, I think fit is just as important to talent as basketball. Like, a guy like Victor Oladipo, he's finally found his fit. Look right. how good he is now. Right. Um, I think Mick is finally getting those guys. Now, obviously, the senior leadership helps, you know, the Jared Cumberlands, the kids like that. What do you think about this team? Because when you were at UC, you guys were fast, you guys scored, and you guys just beat everyone up and down the court, and you, you made those people run out of breath. This team hustles you defensively. Well, that was the thing. Um, I mean, UC basketball is built, it's built on, on physicality, you know, and, and, and playing defense and not working your opponent. Um, and the biggest thing for people, I think, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people after, you know, Huggins left was that, you know, we don't see the type of athletes that you guys were. You came in here, man. You guys were big. You were strong. You were athletic. You guys were, you were jumpers and this, this, and that. Um, and like you said, he's finally got that opportunity, man, to get guys in that fit his system and fit what's going on, what he wants, you know, to have done. Um, it took a couple of years as, you know, I think, you know, if people are really thinking with a realistic mind, it was going to take yeah. a couple of years to get things really back where, you know, people would consider it to be, okay, this is what we were used to. But again, the Bearcat fans were spoiled. For so long, because you know the the seasons were what they were, the fanfare was what it was, uh, the hoopla around the sport was what it was, and when that went away, you know people were kind of you know on the fence about what was next. So hopefully, again now and seeing what he's been able to do these last several years and building, you know, this situation to what it is. I, I hopefully now people will you know, give him that that nod as being you know, a guy that really lead this program to you know where we want to go. You know, I mean, everybody has got a championship aspirations. So, you know, maybe he's the guy, hopefully he's the guy to, to get it done. You know, I mean, not having a bad year this year. These right. guys are really bought in to what he, the style that he wants. Defense has been really, really bought into. And that's that's probably the hardest thing to get guys coming in to a program to understand is how things are really done. You know what I mean? And really, it's never been about offensive basketball here at the University of Cincinnati. Ever. You know what I mean? I don't care who, what tenure you go to. It's never been about guy being able to put the ball in the goal. You know what I mean? It's been yeah. about out-rebounding, hustling, and just beating your opponent up and taking their names afterwards. <laughs> and the region they're playing in, they have to do that. Oh, yeah. Tennessee, they yeah. can score. Oh, yeah. Kentucky, they can score. Yeah. I mean, Virginia is literally, you see it's a blueprint of Virginia, I feel yeah. like. So let's say this happens. Let's say it all works out by chalk. Mm-hmm. You see Virginia lead eight. We know about a lot of physics because they're the two best defense teams in the country. That game's going to be like 85 to 80, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's going to happen. They're just going to end up all of a sudden scoring baskets like it's nothing. Right. Probably be 102 to 99 or something like that. But um, Virginia just lost a big one Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, their six, six man. man goes. You know, so, you know, I don't know how much that will hurt their basketball team. I think, you know, at this point in the season, I think guys know, you know, man down, next guy up. Right. You know, and I think it's a situation where Coach Bennett will have the next guy ready to go, whoever that guy is. But you talk about what's going to be missing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can put a body out there, fill another body. But when that body was getting you baskets when you need to get a basket, or was getting that backside rebound when you need that backside rebound, well, he's going to be missed. So hopefully that's something that, you know, if we're seeing those guys, we'll be able to take advantage of. I just think, you know, if we go out and we put our hard hat on and play the game that we're knowing that we know to play, I don't think there's any team, you know, really in the tournament that you can possibly say that will wholeheartedly run rush shot over UC. I agree. Just for the way, that, again, that they've played defense and they've been able to put the ball in the basket, too, when they needed to. Yeah. You know, they had an eight-minute or nine-minute scoring drought you know, in the last game against Houston, but got buckets when they needed it. And the NCAA tournament is getting a basket when you need to get a basket. You know, we got several guys that can do that. Evans can create his own shot. Cumberland can get his own shot. Um, Clark has definitely proven to get his own shot. Now they're doubling that guy. Yeah. So that creates a totally different uh, scheme of things for your opponent, you know, that's that's going against you. If they're going to double a guy, then that means somebody's wide open. And somebody needs to just sit there and make open shots. Make some open shots here in the NCAA tournament, man. You're going to be whistling Dixie come, you know, April. I think people judge this team too much on the Xavier game. I think the Xavier game was just a bad day. You know, I didn't understand the timing of the game, how early it was. You know, that threw a lot of things. Yeah, Saturday at noon, that didn't make sense. Um, And it was usually a game that was played in a totally different portion of the schedule. To have it where they had it, I think, just threw everything off. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, I agree. That definitely wasn't the UC's best game. Let's play that game last week. Let's play it a month ago. It's a totally different game because there's totally two different teams. Now... Xavier's a different team than they were when they first played. So Xavier would have been a whole lot better. But I, I know for a fact UC comes out and plays a totally different, a much, much better basketball game. And it's much more interesting the second time around if you get it than the first time when they got it. As a basketball fan, not as a UC guy, are you okay with Xavier's one seed? Again? As a basketball fan, we're taking the UC out of you for a second. Oh, hey, that's no problem. Are we are we okay with Xavier's one seed? Do we agree with them I'm, still? Hey, man, look, I'm... Like I said, I bridged that Xavier game a long time ago. <laughs> I'm I, a Xavier um, fan, so I just I'm, have to, like... I'm, I'm two and two against Xavier in my career, so I'm, I'm good there. Again, I work with some some great Xavier Musketeer fans out there in Woodwoods. So, no, I don't. To be totally honest, I went to the Nova Xavier game um, at Xavier, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, felt weird walking through there, you know. Felt odd sitting there. Yeah. But then I started to hear... Helicopter, helicopter, helicopter. You know, from these far distances, you can tell they were a little bit far away from how they were yelling it, but hard to hear those. You know, people recognized me being there. and It was kind of cool. I got heckled a little bit, and, but also was, you know, told, hey, good luck with the season and appreciate your talent, all that good stuff. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It's not Kentucky Louisville. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So I, 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 I enjoyed my time. But at the same time, being here in Cincinnati, it was great to see. Cincinnati basketball, where it was, you know, now I'm talking about Cincinnati basketball in the city. Yeah. That's Xavier and Cincinnati. Um, Both of our teams were in the top 10 at some point. They both finished at the top 10 at the end of the year. That's something to be celebrated. You know, that's something to be celebrated on both sides of the spectrum. You know, whether for UC or for Xavier or if you're just an Ohio person, you know, rooting rooting for all Ohio teams. So 
This is the NCAA tournament time. Yes, I'm, I'm Bearcat proud. I'm, I'm stamping Bearcat this, stamping Bearcat that, but I'm an Ohio guy, so I'm rooting for all Ohio teams, you know, that get in the NCAA tournament to do well until they play against the Bearcats, and then it's a different story. A few more, a few more fun story, <laughs> few more fun questions. Um, one, I'm really curious about this. Like I said, we listed all the guys you played with okay. at UC. You played with some damn good guys. Yep. You were a damn good player, obviously. Take your UC team and match up against this UC team. You guys still score like you did? Wow. Man, look, I'm not, I'm not backing <laughs> off of that at all. I'm going to tell you what, man. You can take any of my UC teams I was on. I'm going to tell you what. We had some. Was I don't it think you good Danny Fortson? Right. See, that's the thing. If I take any of my UC teams, it's not going to be fair. I would have to let one of these guys from this year's team pick the team. Because if I go back to my freshman year, you talk about Darnell Burton, Damon Flett, Art Long, Keith Legree, uh, uh, Jackson Joseph, Bobby Brandon, uh, Danny Forsen. Come on, man. They're not stopping that. Okay? So then I go to my sophomore year where I got, again, Fortson, a sophomore Fortson, a seasoned Legree, a senior Flint. So I'll jump from that, that group and I'll take it to my junior year. In my senior year, I would say probably just to exclude my first two groups because we will we will bash these guys. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, it, it is no contest. And I hopefully those guys would admit it if they ever talk to you. But if there was a chance for this team to beat us, any one of the teams that I was on, it would have probably had to have been my junior year. If I built the lineup of your UC career against this team, I'd probably go Amart, obviously, Fortson, you. That's my front court. That backcourt's so tough, though. You guys are so wait, many good wait, guards. Wait, 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 man, wait, wait. <laughs> you got to put Ruben Patterson in there. Oh, yeah, you're court, right. You're right. You got to move me up to the two spot. Yeah. Now all you're looking for is a point guard. Ooh. So take your pick, man. I had some good ones. I had Charles Williams, who really didn't get a chance because, yeah. he, you know, he ended up losing his season. Um, I had Steve Logan. I had... Uh, Logan was phenomenal a senior year. Um, who else did we have? I, I played, I uh, had, uh, again, senior Keith Legree. I had Damon Flynn as a point guard. I had uh, the late John Carson um, from Springfield, who was one of our point guards. Um, Michael Horton, who was just a linebacker playing playing basketball. So, I mean, man, but like I said, our front line, oh, jeez, yeah. okay. Just see right there. Wow. Yeah. Well, but I would like to see, I would like to see uh, more uh, with his long arms and his long body against Ken and, and how long Ken was with his long stride and on that long jump hook, you know what I mean? I would like to see if Cumberland can push Ruben off the block. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because Ruben was a strong guy, but Cumberland is a, you know, he's a rock there. Can you we, know what I mean? Can, so. we, can we get this to Mick? Can we make this happen? <laughs> I feel like I feel like Mick needs to hear this. Fantasy, man, fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Which brings me to, if I could just say it real quick, TBT. The basketball tournament. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. We're having a team called Bearcat Jam this year. Um, I'm going to head it up as the general manager and as possibly one of the coaches. Potential roster right now is looking unbelievable, you know, and it's it's time to see what some University of Cincinnati fantasy basketball will look like. You guys get E. Hicks? I'm excited about that. Yes, we got uh, E. Hicks. E. Hicks is on there. Deion Dixon is on. Deontay Vaughn's on. Uh, Coyote DeBerry. Dean McLean. I got Rashawn Bishop. Um... Uh, waiting on confirmation from Troy, uh, waiting on confirmation from Kevin. Um, yes, got E. Hicks as well, but roster and Yancey Gates uh, oh. came in yesterday. No kidding. So we got a, my front line is really good. I'm really trying to sew that backcourt up right now, and 
I'm waiting on something back from Shaq Thomas. That's that's the one wing guy I would love to have to shoot that basketball for us on that wing. But I got the I got the point guard situation going, man. And yeah, I got the two guards, but I, I need a three man, man. I need a wing guy. And I was thinking about maybe jumping out there and putting the uniform on, but you know, so it's something about wishing about doing some things, and then reality sets in. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. how that goes. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, you see me. I'm yeah, five, you, nine, you know, so. you sit behind there and you go, man, <laughs> I done went out there and dunked it on that dude. But then reality sets in, like, wait a minute, I'm on the microphone, man. I, I'm, I'm a media guy. This is why I'm here, yeah. I'm not even taking offense to this. Oh, oh sorry. It's all good. We still got this. This ain't picking up anything, man. But yeah, I'm not going to deny that by any means. Uh, I understand that, trust me. Uh, it happened to me, I mean, it's just, you know, I've been, around, I've been around the game. I've been really lucky this past year. Especially, like, I covered a couple of Xavier games, and I was around Trayvon Blood. And when you're, like, watch him shoot, you're like, where did he learn that shot? Because it goes in, it feels like when it's on, it's the most beautiful shot I've ever seen. And he, and he, and he gets it off, and it's like a, such a, like a flick. Right. I mean, he really, I mean, his wrist gets really into that thing. And I'm thinking, like, sometimes I'll pop my wrist that, that you know, that much. My shot's just off a little bit, you know what I mean? Because I'm putting too much emphasis on it. It's like, man, when he shoots that thing, man, that wrist really flicks up, man. And it's water. It's all net. I really ever see him hit the rim on some things. Yeah, so I was at the Georgetown game. Okay. And when they're down four, and he has the four-point play with, like, 20 seconds ago, yeah. why do you foul him at the three-point line? It was so crazy seeing just how, like, first off, it was the last I've ever heard of Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes last night when I was at Freedom. Yeah. I mean, not Freedom. It's not Freedom anymore. The Young, young Center. Young, young, young. Yeah. Oh, man, I have stories for that one. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to go with you? So, talking about the old Conference USA, talking about stuff. Curious your thoughts as a basketball fan. There's these, Tubby gets fired today. Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. The rumor is Penny is going to come over and take over take over Ooh, Memphis. Wow. Now he's got Team Penny at AAU. The other rumor is his assistant coach is going to be Larry Brown. Does that work anymore? I feel like that's a violation walking. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> well, the whole AAU coach thing, um, I think that would cause a little problem. Yeah. You know, if, you know obviously, if he's not going to probably still stay there, AAU coach, but having some type of AAU ties, you know, which we've been having these problems with whole AU and shoe stuff and scandals and all that so I, that could be something there but whole Larry Brown thing yeah um not sure how patient coach Brown would be right that is some new team he left was good they, yeah, just, very, they just weren't eligible very. um I don't know how patient he would actually be in a situation like that I know he's been an assistant before um in a lot of different places but he's never been an assistant for a guy that's been what maybe 15 maybe almost 20 years younger yeah um, so again, the generation gap as far as how they did things and how you do right. things now, I think that can probably maybe play its part um, and why maybe it not work you know, here in the future. Uh, you would like to see it work. You would like to see a guy mentor a young guy like Penny um, through this situation, but I don't think Mr. Brown will have too much, again, too many patients to stick around that long while you know Penny gets things going and kind of rides that way a little bit because I think you know Coach Brown is – too far off from really having another job again if he really wanted it. But I think with him taking that assistant coaching job with Coach Smith, I think it was more of a him you know, being on the same plank, yeah, and being on the same page, so to speak. I'm not sure with Penny's new style of possibly wanting to come in and run things, how he's going to recruit, you know, all those little different nuances, how those will work. He's my basketball hero, so I have to have it work. Yeah. Like the fan in me has to see it work. Yeah, I like I like the uh, <laughs> hard way, man. I, I was sad to see him, you know, have. A short career like he did in the NBA because you know every time I watch that um, this magic moment that thirty yeah. for thirty 
you know, you think about, wow, what really could have been, man, like what that team could have really been like with him and Shaq and how many titles he actually could have won. And then hearing him say, you know, Kobe Bryant got my titles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, wow, like, dude, he must be really still feeling deep about what could have been. You know, he still has thoughts about that if he can say, man, Kobe's got my rings. Did Ruben have good Kobe stories? Uh, well, the whole Kobe stopper thing I thought was just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like the whole NBA did. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just thought that was like, but that's Ruben. Yeah. yeah that's Ruben Patterson in a nutshell, and I didn't expect anything less from him. You know, he was going out there to compete. He was going out there to show who he was, which I thought, you know, he was a six foot seven bull. You know, his nickname on our team was Bull because the dude was just strong. There was no way you can do anything really with him if, if he put his mind to it. So when he made those comments about being the Kobe stopper. It was like, you know what? I agree, Ru, with your, you know, being as upbeat about your situation and being as proud of your talent. That's Kobe. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's a guy that's been doing it for a minute. He's, he's got the nuances of the league right now under his belt. Not all of them, but I don't know yet, Rube. So, but getting out there and actually getting a chance to meet Kobe in my little short tenure with the Lakers, man, was probably one of the best things. You know, everybody talks about, you know, the lone wolf. You know what I mean? And I got a chance to experience that a little bit. You know, he didn't really do some of the things that we did when we went out or hung together. Um, but the dude was into his craft, man. It was about being the best that he could be all the time. There was no time off. You know, the guy told me, you got to be willing to put in eight hours on your game if you want to stay in this league. And when he told me that, I just looked at him. I, I actually acted like I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> but I just stared at him like, and I'm thinking to myself in my head, eight hours? What can I do in this gym for almost eight hours? Well, he showed me. Watching him doing that training camp process. You know, he's two hours, three hours, him and Derek Fisher, before we get there. And they're two hours, three hours after we're gone. And then they're going back for a night session, getting a couple more hours in, shooting the ball. Huh. So that's how you put eight hours into the gym. You know what I mean? You say that now, kids look at you like crazy. You know what I mean? But it's feasible. You can do it. And again, it was one of those things that really stuck with me. And it was that, you know, if your mom's going to, your dad's going to work eight hours on their job, get paid, then why can't you? Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, what are the drills that I can do for that long? Oh, man, you got off the dribble stuff. You got without the dribble. All right. You got off the, off the pass jump shots. You got off the dribble jump shots. You got... Defensive slides. You got post moves you can work on. You got your mid-range jump shot. You got your three-point jump shot. So when you talk about what are the things that you can do, there's a lot you can do. And I had to understand that fully. Once I did, that's when I started to understand the pro game. Um, watching these guys go and, and work the way they did. Um, unfortunate that you know they were in a situation where just the bus, they won a championship now. And that championship was bought that year, you know, with going out and kind of reassembling some of the guys that he did, kind of like he was like he was going after the whole old Chicago yeah. Bulls team because he went after Kerr. Kerr went to the Spurs that year. Um, he went after um, Pippen. Pippen went to Portland. Um, so the only guys that were left were like Ron Harper, you know, Brian oh, and Sally and those guys. And he kind of built that nucleus of guys that kind of knew of the triangle. You know, whereas those young guys, we didn't have, you know, didn't have time to teach us. That is the greatest thing ever. You just sent me up for that question. Why doesn't it work? What do you mean? Why doesn't the triangle work anymore? Oh, well, I mean. You're a coach. You, know, you got to have the You're right guys. training camp. You got to have the right guys to do it. I mean, and when I, I, I got that playbook on the triangle and looking at all these different variations of what you can do from the triangle, I'm thinking to myself, how does this not work? How do you not 
ever get a basket or a shot that you want with all these different variations to, to the triangle offense. Um, you you got to have guys that are very disciplined, man, and willing to do it. And this game, this this stage is Stephen Curry during the rant stage. They want to run and they want to shoot. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to really come down that half court, set up, watch that guy run off that screen. You score up and you make that triangle pass if it's there or you attack as if. Nobody wants to do that anymore. Everything is bop, 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 catch, let it fly. And that's why our kids suffer the way they suffer. See, some of the times, you know, with some of the things I was trying to apply with just footwork. Yeah. Because our kids are, are so far gone when it comes to that stuff because what they're seeing now, again, is they're seeing that all oh, these guys, all they do is just running and shooting the ball. Oh, well, you got to get your feet together to be able to do that. You don't understand that these guys actually work hours on this. They don't just do this. But at the same time, going away from screening, down screening, curl off, come to the ball. All that's a lost art now. So, and again, why the triangle doesn't work is because they don't have the discipline there's to run it, period. Kendall Gill told me the same thing. You know, Carmelo's not a disciplined guy to come down and run the triangle every yeah. single possession. He wants to come down and jack up a shot. He wants to between his leg, throw one up real quick. Instead of going to the post where you're efficient and you're a monster, you can be a killer in this oh, offense. Yeah. Just don't want to buy into it. That's, that's the way the game has changed dramatically. So let's talk a little more about the Bearcat Jam because you have my attention. Yep. I don't know if you've ever listened to our show. Probably not. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. Well, let me know what it is, <laughs> man. Uh, so I can, uh, I can now tune in. Tim Kittrow, the voice of NBA Jam, the commentator, does our introduction. Okay. So the Boom Shakalaka guy himself is our oh, intro. Right. Yeah, so it's so funny you say that because I'm such a freak for nostalgia. Like, I love it. That's crazy, man. Maybe we get that guy to do a voiceover for us because, yeah, the whole thing about us, if you go to our yeah. Facebook page, is Bearcat Jam. And then paying homage to the old NBA Jam game. Yeah. So all of our fun is in the old NBA yeah. Jam file. Oh, it caught my attention. All Don't you our, worry. I know. All of our profiles <laughs> are in the old NBA Jam profile. Day. So we, we're having some fun with this thing. And once we start. So your dunk, one, your dunk one's all green, right? going to be all green. Yeah, you know I think I mean? it's much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when we do our, our fun little get-togethers. We're going to do our autograph signings. And, you know, we'll have, you know, the guys come out to certain places. We're going to play on all that stuff. We'll have our shirts, man. We'll have posters. And it'll all, again, be homage to that old NBA Jam thing and kind of play off of that, kind of bring the whole nostalgia of the whole TBT thing out. It's this throwback. Yeah. We're, we're capturing it on both ends. We're capturing it with our team name, and we're capturing it by paying homage to a video game that I know everybody loves. Well, we're happy to be the official podcast of the TBT if you hey, need to. You man, know, we're, we're more than willing to do that. Oh, whoa. Yeah, so we'll, give you, huge. Like, we'll give you like a weekly show. That's huge we'll, we'll news, like, man. Yeah, well, I'm happy to do that. And Seth, oh, we'll talk off air. Whoa. So who are some of the competition we'll be playing? Oh, my God. Jam? Well, man, I mean, they just add, well, I just got the word that Greg Oden and um, Aaron... Craft? Aaron Craft are heading the Buckeye Stars. Oh, so year. he's like finally done playing college after 20 years. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I feel like Aaron Craft was like at college and scooting. He was, he was alone. He was around. I think him and Michael Red ran the boy. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, Jared Sullinger's on that team too. Really? So, you know, they're going to have a pretty nice group. They Coming are. back again with David Lighty, uh, who played at my one of my high schools in Cleveland, St. Joe. Um, Please tell me they called Scooney. Is Scooney going to play? You know, Scooney was he, he was on the bench last year. He was the coach for that team last year. Oh, so really? It's going to be fun to see him because I played, you know, we played during that same time, same generation. Um, KSU, Kansas State University, uh, with Jacob Pullen. You know, oh, he's yeah. a, a big-time favorite, you know, who's played college ball at a high level. And, you know, they got their teams going. But, obviously, the Bayheims, Bayheims Army, 
You know what I mean? Those guys from Syracuse with Steven Dorff and those guys, man. Are you going to be able to get Jerry McNamara back for the shot? You know, hey, I, I hope, you know, they can maybe bring that guy back. Because I'm telling you what, the more the more people that they can bring back, bring into this situation yeah. that had those type of moments in college basketball, I think it's really going to blow this thing out the door. You got to so, be fired so up. So for me, man, coming back and they go, yo, we have you know Melvin Levitt, you know, former, you know, Bearcats, one of his fondest memories are, you may remember, Great Alaska Shootout. So the Great Alaska Shootout pops up. In everybody's mind again, they maybe run that highlight and they show that dunk. I mean, so now that's back in people's mind. But at the same time, it goes, oh, man, that guy's face is involved in this now. You know, he's involved in this now. You know, it adds a little bit more fanfare to those that enjoy what I did, you know, but also for us to have a team. Yeah. You know, it brings all those people back to the forefront, man. And then the biggest thing is that the Midwest region is in Columbus. Yeah. So we ain't got to go far. So that's pretty cool. We should have a nice fan base, man. And I'm very, very excited about this, man. I can't wait to really get things going. Registration starts in April. In 515 full? 515 full court. Okay. Yeah. That's, pr- that's pretty fun. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be it's gonna be really a doozy. And again, it's going to be an opportunity for some of us to get that chance to play against some guys that we may have wanted to during school, didn't get a chance to. Chance for fans to see some of the guys that they enjoy playing you know, during their years at the university to come back and cheer on. But then, like I said, see some fantasy basketball. Yeah. Put some guys on some different rosters for some different years. You got those guys together to see what it looked like, you know, on a serious level. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep us in the loop for that. Hey, sure. man, I'm definitely going to keep you guys in the loop. I want to be sending updates out to you uh, through our, uh, via the Facebook page. I'll let you know what's going on every time we got something going on, every little meet and greet that we're going to have, every little uh, giveaway that we're going to have. Um, I want, want you guys to put that out for us, man, because I know there's going to be some fans maybe in Kentucky mm-hmm. that will want to. Oh, absolutely. Come over in and see some of us, man. So that's going to be a good shot for us, man, that you guys do this. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. So, Melvin, before we get you out of here, as you were gracious, if I ask you for 15, you've given me 45. Oh, man, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like Bob Huggins. That's me here. Yeah. I like it. See what I did there? <laughs> um, any other social media out there you want to shout out? You have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Oh, no, not Twitter or anything like that, man. I have a LinkedIn page. Uh, you can just look me up on LinkedIn. Um, but, again, you can get, get to me through Bearcat Jam. Facebook Bearcat Jam. Um, well, you can just look my name up. It, it'll pop right up. Um, I'm coaching out at the Winwoods uh, School District out in Forest Park. Uh, going on my second uh, year there. Having a lot of fun. Went uh, 11 and 4 this year. Yeah. So in my two-year tenure, I am 25 and 9. Not bad, man. That's a two-seed. That's what I'm talking North about. Carolina. I'm, saying, what, man, I'm 25 and 9. I need to be shopping right now for another job. Yeah, you know there you I mean? go. I'm right now. Let's get the resume I'm, together. I'm saying, man, I'm on my way, man. I could be somebody's middle school coach at, at the highest middle school level somewhere, man. They need to start now putting me out or something. But, <laughs> I'm, gonna, but I'm celebrating. But the funny thing is, I made a joke about it, but I'm, I plan to celebrate every monumental victory. Yeah. So I'm waiting for 50. As I get to my 50th win at the middle school level, I'm going to celebrate that. You know what I mean? I'm going to yeah. celebrate all those monumental events, man, because you never get those things back, man. They can't take them away from you at the same time. I learned from uh, a guy who hired me at Tullawanda Middle School, Dave Brock, that, you know, do it as long as you can. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're enjoying what you're doing, don't seek out anything else, man. Just ride it till the wheels fall off. So I got my chance to get back at the middle school level after middle school being my first job in 2005. I'm enjoying the process. I do have aspirations maybe to be an athletic director here in the next several years, but really as far as moving on to the highest coaching level, I love these kids at this middle school level, man, the maturity level. Um, still having a chance to steer them 
in the right direction before they get to high school. It's a cool position to be in. You still have a great influence to them. So I'm loving the position that I'm in right now, and I'm not going to change that if I can help it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been Court Stormers slash 48 Minutes with Melvin Levitt, the helicopter himself. Man, thank you so much. This was so much fun talking with you. Appreciate it. All of my UC friends are now jealous of me. Hey, that's what we aim to do, man. We aim to put people on that pedestal. You know what I'm saying? If I got you there, man, I appreciate that for you coming out. But I appreciate you, man, for this opportunity. Because, again, this is my first time doing a podcast. Um, but I have just an opportunity to shed light on what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? As far as Melvin Levin goes and speak about my alma mater, man, that's, that's pretty cool. So, Tim, I appreciate you. Yeah, we'll do more soon. I don't know if they, can, if they can hear the dap, but I just dapped him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? On, on, on some real stuff. But you hear that? You see Court Stormers, you know what I'm saying? I Hopefully I can be back here real soon. We'll make Hopefully, that happen. You guys enjoyed the podcast. Go Bearcats. Uh, go Wildcats if you're a Wildcat fan. Go Muskies. Uh, go Buckeyes. Whatever it is, man. Whatever team is yours out there, root them on. Best of luck to you guys. And, again, thank you for your time. And hope to uh, see you again sometime.